Did you know that medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States? And have you ever wondered how you can most powerfully advocate for patients and their health? Well, independent RN patient advocate Stephanie Frederick is here to talk about advocacy, running your own business, and embracing a 21st century model of healthcare delivery. Don't touch that dial, and welcome to episode 201 of The Nurse Keith Show. Well, hello and welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. I am so grateful you're listening, whether it's your first time tuning in or you've been hanging out with me here on the airwaves for months and some of you even years. I am so grateful for that. Thanks for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is, of course, all about you and your nursing career and your life. And I'm here to share education, inspiration, and ideas that can get you moving in a very positive and inspired direction. Meanwhile, if you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can follow along at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number two zero one. And we are today welcoming Stephanie A. Frederick. She is a registered nurse with a master's degree and is a whole person well-being and has incredible passion about whole person well-being. We will talk more about her work and her life. And Stephanie Frederick, welcome to the Nurse Keith Show. Thanks for having me, Keith. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's great to have you here. And we're talking about RN patient advocates and being something out in the world that really empowers people and empowers patients. And we'll talk more about your bio soon, but what is an RN patient advocate? Well, and and I work independently. I want to specify that because sometimes people assume that as an advocate, you are working for an organization. I do work independently. I received special training for that. And so I have my own business, um, have for the last 10 years. And basically, I help people to navigate the medical system, uh, to understand you know, their options and really use an integrative approach, because a lot of times people don't know what other options are out there for them. No, they don't. And when you say help people navigate the healthcare system, I'm sure the person listening right now to this is nodding their head or shaking their head like, yep, people need that because it is a labyrinthine system, isn't it, these days? It it really is. And you know, that's really what got me started on this path. Of course, I've, I've been a nurse for over 30 years. <laughs> and particularly you know, I'd say the last 10 to 15 years, seeing increasing fear and confusion trying to deal with the system. And so that's really what first got me started on that path of learning more and being able to be available for people. Right, right. And, and you know, nurses are there for their patients. And of course, I'm sure there's a listener out there right now who works on a super, super busy unit and discharges patients home and maybe worries about those people because 
Did they understand their education? Do they understand their medications? Are they, do they have this socioeconomic ability to, to follow up on their care, right? And can they afford, afford their medications? Mm-hmm. So many different pieces. And, and you're independent, right? So are you working on a self-pay basis or patients coming to you and saying, hey, I need your help? That's right. It is okay. it is self-pay. Uh, insurance does not pay me for these services. Which makes no sense to me whatsoever, but that's another <laughs> conversation, right? <laughs> right. It would be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. who comes to you and why do they come to you? What is the impetus for them and how do they find you? I would say probably 90% of the people that contact me is by a family member, um, oh, not so much, not okay. so much the uh, the patient client themselves, and many times they are out of state, so they might might have found my website, but usually it it, it is a referral from within the Tucson community that gets them calling me specifically. And I, the vast majority of my cases are through family members. I see. You know, for many years, I've been giving this tip to nurses who are trying to figure out what to do to make money on the side or start a business. And I often say what actually you do, which is you could start a business being an advocate, you know, independent self-pay advocate for, let's say, elderly or disabled people whose families live far away and who have maybe adult children who really want to make sure mom or dad is being cared for and looked after and are getting the care that they need and taking their meds. So it sounds like you are doing what many nurses out there are wondering is possible, right? this way of working in the world independently mm-hmm. and really supporting patients and doing it on your own terms. Sure, sure. And and I do get inquiries from nurses about that fairly frequently actually. Mm-hmm. Wanting to know how did I how did I get started? And you know, once again, it's like I did get specialized training, but probably what I would emphasize the most is learning how to run your own business because Many times as nurses, at least this has been my experience, we work within an organization and an organization feels like they can handle any problem that comes up. They have their own advocates, they have their own lawyers, they have whatever is needed. So many times nurses are in that functional capacity uh, and they might be an advocate for a hospital or, or what, whatever facility. And so this is this is quite different. This is really learning how to set out on your own and run your business because there's a lot to that, as you well know. <laughs> mm, yes. um, and so it, it can be very different that way. It can even be different being an independent RN patient advocate as I am versus, let's say, a case manager. Oftentimes, once again, case managers are within a facility. They might have a a larger patient-client base. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I always ask people, who are you serving? And if I'm working for an organization and they're paying me, I hold their interest primary. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's, it's different for myself having a small patient load because I do very individualized 
care, uh, not physical care. I don't do nursing care, but I am working very closely with them, particularly about communication and collaboration in the community Mm. as an independent practitioner. Communication and collaboration. That sounds like those are the kind of like the hallmarks or pillars of what you do. Absolutely. They really are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious for a listener out there who's thinking, yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to do that. I know nothing about business. I'm a I'm a telemetry nurse, for instance, and I would love to be able to support people in my community and have them actually pay me for <laughs> for my expertise yeah. and knowledge, right? So sure. for those people or that person, for that person out there who is saying, what's in it for me? How can I make this happen for myself? Like, even if I want to make, let's say an extra, I don't know, let's say $400 a month, right? They want to make a little extra money. So it sounds like you need to know how to start a business. You need to Mm -hmm. know how to put all the little pieces together and then market yourself and Mm -hmm. have people actually find you. So, you know, you have a lovely website, you have a great social media presence. You're on Twitter and LinkedIn. And uh, I see you have Google Plus, though I know Google Plus is kind of going bye-bye right now. Um, And so people find you through the internet, I assume, and maybe referrals, personal referrals? The personal referrals are probably the biggest uh, point. Okay. Uh, and one, and once again, you know, even if they're from out of state, they still find me by connecting with people in town. Because a lot of times people aren't necessarily typing in, you know, our inpatient advocate, they might, right. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but there are ways that they find me. Yeah. Sure. And for that nurse out there who is sitting on her telemetry unit right now on a break, you know, I mean, she might be the rare nurse who actually has break, but <laughs> let's say she's on break and she's listening to this podcast and she's like, okay, so if I want to be an RN patient advocate, do I need to get that specialized training that Stephanie got and where do I get it? And is it, is it what I actually need to do something like this? Mm-hmm. You know, my advice would be to contact, let's score mm-hmm. the retired the retired executives organization. It's wonderful, yeah. It, it really is, and um, you know, and go to score with with a business plan in mind, at least some business goals, and they can really, you know, walk you through the steps. And if you've been a nurse. I would say for probably 10 plus years, because I do think it takes some experience, you know, being able to do this kind of thing and a broad range of experience. Um, right. But I, I think that score, <laughs> I really want to put a plug in for them because I have really used them in, in a variety of ways over the years. And I still do. I mm-hmm. still do. I, I have a mentor there. I've used them too here in Santa Fe and basically score, and I'll put links in the show notes so people can find what this is all about. Basically, it's retired executives and business people, men and women, who volunteer basically in their local community to help entrepreneurs and business people do what they need to do, right? Basically, right, absolutely. they yes. can help you write a business plan, figure out whether you need an LLC or an S Corp or a J Corp or a sole mm-hmm. proprietor, all that kind of stuff, and give you advice from their own experience of being business people out in the world. 
And That's right. It's great. And it's in many, many cities and towns. And if it's not in your local town, you might be able to find it in a neighboring town or municipality. And it's a great resource. And when you earlier mentioned special training, did you be did you get trained as a RN patient advocate? Was that what you were referring to? There are, you know, several programs in the country that come about it in a, in a different way as far as like giving you the training for patient advocacy, not necessarily, not necessarily as an RN, um, but yes, you can receive different trainings. I see. And what I see after your name, you have RN, MED, so you have a master's of education, right? And then you health have education. health education. And then you mm -hmm. have IRNPA, which is integrative RN patient advocate. Actually, it's uh, independent. Independent. Yes. And uh -huh. so that's a des real designation, right? It's not, it's a certification, it sounds like. Right, right. Great. Okay. So you have this master's degree in health education. You've worked really in with an attitude and approach of whole person wellness. And your clinical experience, what I understand, it's been integrative health, worksite wellness, critical care, behavioral health. And this is what you do because it's you've been led to this particular path. I get that. And it sounds like you've worked in the integrative world, the complementary world, or we could call it alternative world. And then there's functional medicine, holistic medicine, and then there's allopathic, which is, you know, hospitals and regular old straightforward mainstream medicine. So do you bring all of that to the work you do? And do you help your clients or patients to differentiate and understand what these approaches are? Because there's so many directions you can go when you have the wherewithal to pursue treatment. So how do you do that? And how do you integrate all these different aspects into your world? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I refer to myself once again as independent and then also integrative. And when I say integrative, it is like you were just saying, helping people to be aware of what those options are. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you know, there are so many things. I mean, whether it's, you know, mind-body practices, you know, combinations, you know, acupuncture, chiropractic, healing touch, aromatherapy, all of these things people are not necessarily aware of. And where did they go to get this information? I mean, I can tell you a, a, a story of just not long ago, I had a man contact me. He had recently had uh, knee replacement surgery and he was needing additional help. I mean, he, he had heard about acupuncture. He had a neighbor that had had acupuncture. So he went to his orthopedic doc and said, doc, you know, I feel like I'd like to try some acupuncture. You know, can you refer me somewhere? And this surgeon actually walked out of the room. Oh, no. <laughs> rather than, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, I don't know. Or, you know, you might try contacting so-and-so. They could give you a referral felt that threatened that they walked out of the room. So this man called me, uh, he was referred to me, and so I, we were able to work together. You know, that's one example. And then of course, too, with the whole opioid crisis, you mm -hmm. know, that we're facing, there are so many people, you know, that are needing alternatives to 
opioids for their chronic and and acute, you know, pain management. And benzodiazepines, for instance, as well. Absolutely. All of those things. And so, you know, if you can work within the allopathic establishment and then in addition to that, offer people possibilities so that they can choose. I mean, I have had clients that, you know, are run the full scale of that, you know, only want allopathic and I can address that. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, I had a, a, a client that was 84 years old and had never <laughs> set foot in a hospital. Wow. Or see, yeah. She had lived in China most of her life. She was not Chinese, but and had only done traditional Chinese medicine mm. practices. But then she fell and fractured her wrist and had to, you know, see an allopathic practitioner. But, you know, to go mm. 84 years and that so that's the, like the opposite end of the spectrum. Good for her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so then you have people all the way, you know, I mean, in between, and that they're, they're just really wanting to learn more about different mm. practices. Right. And there may be a nurse listening right now saying, I want to learn those practices. I want to understand acupuncture and oriental medicine and healing touch and therapeutic touch and Reiki and all these things. So there might be a nurse out there who is totally curious about these things and wants to open her mind or his mind and and breadth and depth of experience of what's on offer out there. And it's, for me, it's an exciting time. You know, we have medical marijuana here in New Mexico and people can apply and have a doctor write a prescription for medical marijuana for many, many conditions, including pain mm-hmm. or PTSD mm-hmm. or um, cancer or what have you and anxiety, et cetera. And we also have, you know, CBD is taken off, cannabidiols. That's the, you know, it's, it comes from the hemp plant, I'll just say mm-hmm. to those listening. Mm-hmm. And it's non-psychoactive and can also have incredible impact on people's health. So, and yes, these things cost money, and we could say it's elitist because so many people out there can't access these treatments. But mm-hmm. if you have the wherewithal, I mean, this is something that can really add to your health. And, you know, I take medications. I have several conditions for which I take regular old prescriptions, and I also use a lot of other types of treatments and CBD and and essential oils, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. So it's, it, it's interesting that you're you know mentioning you know cannabis and yeah. CBD and everything because just this last week I'm on an elder care council board mm. and uh, in charge of programming, and so I had a, an educator from Tucson here who has a natural health healing center, and he spoke to the group about differentiating because once again mm-hmm. it's like where can you go within the allopathic system to you know have continuing education units or to like l- really learn about this as a possibility to be able to you know support and direct help to guide patients that you're taking care of and so the people in attendance were just like awed you know and were so appreciative mm. of having this new information that's wonderful. And, and, you know, I go to my nurse practitioner and she freely talks about medical marijuana, CBD, 
you know, acupuncture. She recommended I check out naprapathy, which is a new form of um, very gentle physical manipulation for chronic pain. Uh-huh. You know, so there are providers out there who are open to these things, even very mainstream providers. And my my NP is fairly allopathic, but her mind is open, right? And like I said, there could be a nurse listening right now on her telemetry unit who is ripe to embrace these things. Maybe yeah. she has an interest, but she needs to dig a little deeper. Or maybe mm-hmm. these are her interests all along, and, and she just feels like she hasn't figured out how to integrate them into her nursing practice. So yes, what what would you say to someone out there listening, like this this fictional nurse on the telemetry unit. What is one thing that woman can hear and take away from this conversation and think, okay, I'm going to take this particular action? What is one thing she could do to kind of broaden her scope and open her mind? One thing I would suggest is going to um, the website for National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. So mm. NCCIH. Right. It used to be known as uh, NCCAM, which was the National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine. But now it's Complementary and Integrative, Integrative. Health. That's good. Uh, I like that. And, and that would be, you know, I think a good start to kind of open the doors to the possibilities with it. Mm-hmm. Um, another, you know, site that has been very supportive and influential in moving this forward and really trying to break into allopathic medicine is it's called integrative practitioner. It should be com. I'm connected on social media with that group. But like right now, they had laid out a whole plan for like dealing with the opioid crisis and had all this, you know, support from different practitioners, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the country, and then now have run into resistance from the AMA and, and oh uh, different allopathic groups. So there's a big push right now for people to, you know, to write and support. So I would say integrative practitioner also to Great. look at, at that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have all of these links in the show notes, score, integrativepractitioner.com, NCCIH. I'll make sure all of this is in there, including your links. I know your website, I'm looking at it right now, actually, stephaniefrederick.com. And Frederick is F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K, Frederick. And it's stephaniefrederick.com. And you also have rnpatientadvocatesoftucson.com. Right. So people can also look at that. And that's, I'm assuming that's sort of your local resource where people can connect with with you and maybe other people as well. Right, right. So either you know, stephaniefrederick.com or the RN Patient Advocates of Tucson.com. I have a, a little YouTube video also that I have the link for that yeah, there. We'll link and then, to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Facebook business page too. Right. And that's steph- facebook.com forward slash Stephanie Frederick RN Patient Advocate. And then you're on LinkedIn as well. So we'll make sure yeah. that a listener out there who really wants to connect with you can send you a LinkedIn invitation and I will cajole that listener to make it a personalized invitation. Don't not yeah. a generic one. Send <laughs> Stephanie 
If you're listening, <laughs> send Stephanie a personalized invitation saying you heard her on the Nurse Keith show and you wanted to connect with her and maybe pick mm-hmm. her brain or ask her some questions. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other listeners who value this show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts directly from little old me. Please just head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. Also, please consider signing up for my newsletter at NurseKeith.com. And remember to leave a rating and review of the show over on Apple Podcasts and iTunes or at Facebook.com forward slash Nurse Keith Coaching. And did you know that there are job listings at NurseKeith.com? That's right. You can now find jobs from both Reload.com and ZipRecruiter in the resources section of NurseKeith.com. Finally, if someone you know could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me, and there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it the most. And remember, you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn coaching credits with me. What a deal! Anyway, those are my sincere asks of you, dear listener. So now let's dig back into today's topic and episode and hop back into the studio. Stephanie, if medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the United States, which is frightening, but I do understand that's a 2013 statistic, what is it that we need to do? What are some of the actions we can take or attitudes that we need to adopt as nurses, as leaders, as members of our communities, as friends and you know, we have family and people in our world, in our orbit. What can we do to start turning around this this slow-moving ship where medical errors are rampant, where nurses feel they can't do the work they need to do that they're meant to do because they have too many patients and too many mm-hmm. people and things pulling at them? So what do we do to make this shift into the new 21st century healthcare model? How do we make that happen? (laughs) Solve our problems, please. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us right now, Stephanie, what do we do? You know, I mean, all all of us as nurses, you know, could certainly, you know, talk about, well, you know, the quality of care, how that's, you know, pushed within our organization and how safety, patient safety is so huge. I mean, we know those things. We do. Where it starts, though, really is with communication. And that is like Mm -hmm. a a two-way communication, not a top-down, you know, communication. And so it's with leadership. How is leadership working within, you know, your department, your organization in communication? Mm-hmm. I feel like so many of the issues could be helped in that way and and helping people to understand 
what goes into communication. I mean, you and I have talked about the whole idea of like soft skills. Yes. Um, how how do people? It's not an assumption that people would know how to communicate, but you actually have educational programs, and have it as unit based or department based. You know, whole facility wide. Really learning how that happens because only when the providers, the practitioners are communicating well, will you be able to know or have the skills to communicate with the patients that you're caring for. And it your colleagues as well, and, right? And, and your <laughs> colleagues, absolutely. Because, yeah. it, you know, it, it addresses all of those issues, you know, workplace abuse, you know, it's things that I know that you've talked to uh, practitioners on your programs about mm -hmm. uh, communication being the first thing. Absolutely. And once you have that, and then you can work on what does it take to collaborate, uh, which is also a lot of times missing within organizations. You end up in a silo. <laughs> you know, this is what I do. Exactly. This is what my department does. And really, Certainly, there's not a whole lot of co collaboration done many times within the community because it's it's handled within the organization itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've talked about, yeah, communication and collaboration, I think, are, are really key issues Absolutely. to begin with in order to, you know, address the quality of care and the safety for patients. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And I'm a big, big advocate of high-level communication. I talk and write a lot about emotional intelligence. Yes, And yes. you're obviously a highly emotionally intelligent person. And relational intelligence. And mm -hmm. for a listener who doesn't understand those terms or they're new to them, I define emotional intelligence very simply. And it's the ability to read and respond appropriately to your own emotions and the emotions of others and be yeah. able to navigate the emotional landscape and relational intelligence i see as a as kind of like a combination of your intellectual intelligence your emotional intelligence and your ability to apply that understanding of the emotional world to your relationships and navigate mm -hmm relationships in a healthy whole way. Do you do you agree with that? Oh, that's beautiful, Keith. <laughs> that's Thank beautiful, you. Keith, really. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yay. And <laughs> you know, I know that you have collaborated with Beth Boynton, who mm -hmm. was here on the Nurse Keith show episode 194, and that came out on February 15th, 2019, and that is at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 194. Beth is a medical improv specialist who mm -hmm. teaches medical improv in facilities to help leaders and staff learn how to communicate better. And I understand that you also do medical improv. Right, right. Well, Beth and I first met through the medical improv training in Chicago. It was in 2013. And we have collaborated over these years doing exactly what we were just talking about in terms of emotional intelligence outreach, you know, in the community. Mm. Beth, Beth is, is wonderful. And I would recommend anyone listening to go to her website, confidentvoices.com. And I'm sure Keith will, you'll put this in in the resource list also yes. uh, to learn to learn more about medical improv and the and the exercises and 
Beth has also written extensively and has different books out that can uh, really help different departments within organizations, you know, like step-by-step, how is this done? What are exercises that we can use? Uh, And you can, you know, also contact me and uh, I will be in touch with Beth. She and I continue to do uh, a lot together. Right. And that's wonderful. And yeah, the medical improv is is fascinating. And I'm going to be using some when I do a leader workshop at the National Association of Orthopedic Nurses Leadership Congress in Atlanta in May of 2019. And they want to know about communication and empathy and how to listen well and use one's powers of communication and empathy for good in your relationships. And it's so important. And, you know, speaking of relationships, before we wrap up, can you give an example of one or two patients you've advocated for and maybe some of the successes that you've you've seen in your work? Would sure. you share that? Sure. Great. Um, let's see. Well, let me first mention that I have two physicians that have me on retainer, um, both of them recognize that they do not want to go into a hospital without having an advocate. So that that says a lot right there. <laughs> when you have, you know, physicians that recognize that need, everyone needs an advocate. I don't care who you are uh, when you're in that, you know, situation. So I, you know, I've uh, actually have not worked with one of them, but I have, you know, done the assessment and, you know, we're all set up for when that situation arises. Hmm. The other, uh, the other physician I've stepped in a couple of times when he's been hospitalized. So, so I, I wanted to emphasize that I have, I recently had someone that had a really complicated neurosurgery and, uh, I was with her before surgery, during, afterwards. There were a couple of medical errors that happened. Uh, one of them was medication-related. The other was, was fall, uh, a fall that had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to maneuver <laughs> through the system and support her in that and uh, saw her into rehab and then into an assisted living facility. And uh, her three children did not live you know, in Tucson. Right. And that that happens a lot of times where I really, I am it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and working very closely with someone. I have a, a couple right now that both of them with dementia, and I was able to arrange for services in the home for the last two years, and both of them with dementia, well, actually Alzheimer's, and recently had to admit them into memory care. But you know, for someone to be able to have that kind of, uh, oh, ability and support and the services that were needed to stay in the home for a couple of years, that it was really a beautiful situation. And, and once again, no family in town and was able to do that with them. Right. Uh, that's wonderful. And I bet there's a nurse listening right now who maybe has done that for a family member or friend. I've done that. I've yeah. s- I've stepped in and, you know, gone into a nursing unit and, you know, <laughs> sometimes you got to kick butt and take names because mm-hmm. stuff needs to happen and people need to be called out. Or that's right. you just need to go in and say, hey, 
this is, you know, I'm here to advocate for so-and-so and you all need to step up your game, right? Mm -hmm. You're not treating right. their pain, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, that's a vulnerable place to be when you're sick and you're unsure of what you can ask for and what you can't ask for. That's right. That's a tough spot. And so many people are, you know, uh, civilians, I mean, are quite intimidated by physicians and surgeons and the medical system out there. It's a confusing, wild place. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> and we do all need an advocate. Mm. Well, next time I'm in the hospital, hopefully it won't be too long, <laughs> I am going to be calling you, even though I know you're not supposed to work across state lines, but you know, yeah. we can we can talk anyway. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that whole working across state lines thing, don't get me started. I feel like <laughs> we need a national nursing license so people can, you know, if you want to start a business as a nurse entrepreneur working with patients or clients or whatever, if you're only limited to the state where you live, that's really limiting your catchment area in terms of the money you can make and the people you can serve. And like I said, don't get me started yeah. <laughs> about well, the limitations so placed on us. And, you know, I'm a career coach. I don't really coach people on their health and medical decisions. So I work across state lines because it's career uh -huh. coaching, right? right? But for someone right. like you, you've got to watch out because of your mm -hmm. scope of practice and your license and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And and I mean, I have really good malpractice insurance and, yeah. and you know, and you, and you do learn and that's part of the business, uh, you know, piece of what we're talking about is you you learn as a nurse to charge what you're worth. Mm, exactly. Yes. Charging what you're worth. I have had to learn that the hard way over the years mm -hmm. and I'm still learning, but yeah. we need to value ourselves, don't we? Right. Because right. we certainly haven't been able to look to the organizations to do that for us. I'll say <laughs> yeah. so many nurses are underpaid. And yeah. that telemetry nurse listening right now is like, uh-huh, tell me about mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. I work so hard. I give everything I've got. And, you know, they they cut my health insurance. They take away my, my uh, 401k, et cetera, et cetera. I have three more patients than I really should have at any given time. Right. So, man, right. I'm, I'm laughing because it's just laughable what's mm -hmm. happening out there. And mm -hmm. Thank you for being an advocate for patients. Thank you for bringing medical improv to the healthcare world and for maybe inspiring that listener who thinks, yeah, I want to do what Stephanie does. I have a gift to bring to the world. And, you know, I'm sure they can call you and have a chat or have a chat with me as well about what that might look like. And, you know, before we go, I just want to ask, is there anything we haven't talked about? that you would like to make sure we we mention here before we come to a close? Gosh, I feel like you have such a wonderful style, Keith, and oh. you really have brought in <laughs> many, many of the points that, um, you know, I, I always with the, with the idea in mind, all mm -hmm. of us have for really people to have a, a healthy lifestyle. I really emphasize that in my practice too, as I know you do, mm -hmm. and uh, probably so many of the listeners, uh, which is, is which is a different emphasis than what we get in allopathy. But that, that holistic, really thinking of the mind, body, spirit, all of that, in addition to the, you know, a healthy lifestyle. And let me also mention 
the American Holistic Nurses Association is a wonderful organization, Absolutely. too. I'd like for you to add that on the resource list. Absolutely. And my friend and former podcast co-host, Elizabeth Scala, is now the president of the AHA. Yes, yes. That's very exciting. She is a is. fabulous person. And yes. she has a lot to give to that community and has done a lot of work over the years. And she knows what she's talking about. And mm -hmm. the AHNA annual meeting is going to be in Albuquerque in 2020. So yes. I'm very excited about that. I'm going to see if I can apply as a speaker, but I'm definitely going to attend for the very first time because it's an hour away and I have no excuse. So <laughs> that is going on my calendar and I hope you're coming. I am. Yes, wow. I do plan to go. Yes. So I'm going to say right now here on the air, Please add a few days to your stay so that you can come hang out with us here in Santa Fe. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I'll I'll yeah. recommend an awesome Airbnb or hotel and we can we can pal around Santa Fe a little bit. Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds Bring your great. husband. We'll make a we'll have a <laughs> fun double date. It'd be great. Anywho. So thank you, Stephanie Frederick. You are amazing. I look forward to meeting in person sometime sooner than later. And thank you for being who you are out in the world. Thank you so much, Keith. Well, there we have it. Thank you for listening to episode 201 of the Nurse Keith Show. And remember that the show notes are at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 201. Stephanie was my first bicentennial guest, and that is just so exciting. <laughs> I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode, and I want you to take inspired action every day in the interest of your professional satisfaction, your career development, and your personal well-being. The Nurse Keith Show is edited and produced by Tim Hollowell and his amazing team at thepodcastinggroup.com, and social media and promotion are handled by the wonderful, awesome Mark Capispeason. Stay positive, care for yourself and others, take that inspired action, and keep tuning in again and again as we explore how to take your life and your career to the next level. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch, and adios till next time from Nurse Keith here in beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Stephanie Frederick in... Also beautiful, Tucson, Arizona. That's right. This is the Southwest Contingent signing off. See you on the other side. <laughs>